listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. This morning, before I officially jump into our message today, i got a couple things I want to run by you. First of all, uh, many of you heard a few weeks ago that we did vote in uh, some new, uh, a new pastor, and uh, not, uh, not a lead pastor, but another one of our team of pastors, and that was Paul Sager. I know he was traveling and just was getting back. Paul, are you in here today? Let me see if he, if he made it back. They were on their 50th anniversary. Not sure if they made it back yet. And uh, Paul and Joan, uh, I think we've mentioned to you, uh, are now, of course, uh, another part of our team here. And let me encourage you uh, to begin to include uh, Paul in your prayers. As you pray, many of you have told me on numbers of occasions, Brian, I pray for you every week. I pray that God would uh, use you and use the other pastors. Let me encourage you to begin to pray for Paul and Joan as they serve. Uh, This summer, at least, they're going to be in and out. Many of you know that Paul has served in missions work. They're going to be serving in uh, South Africa. Uh, They've got a number of trips planned, but as they're back, let me encourage you to start to get to know them. I'll try to point them out to you in the next few weeks as they uh, return. Also, uh, many of you have been hearing how we are starting a Bible study this summer for our uh, college and our young professionals. And maybe you're in that age group or you know somebody who is in that age group. Uh, Let me encourage you to encourage them to come and be a part of this particular Bible study. It's going to be on Wednesday nights at 630. It's going to be meeting not here at church, but in the basement at Crazy Love Coffee House. And so uh, if you want someone to get an official invite or something like that from me or someone on our staff, contact the office. We'll make sure we invite them. And you pray for that group as uh, God, uh, of course, we always want to be investing in that next generation. And, uh, and would you uh, pray for that Bible study and pray as we connect those young people and get into the word together. It's going to be an exciting time. All right, well, this morning, let me invite you to turn, uh, for the last time, maybe for a while, is to turn to the book of Philippians. Uh, We have been making our way through this book, and I'd like to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. And today is going to be the end of our series through this particular letter. In fact, as I counted up, this is our 24th message in the book of Philippians. We started this series last September, and now we are making our way to the end. And what this letter is doing, what it it is uh, shouting to us is how if you are a follower of Jesus, if there has been a time in your life that you have chosen him as your savior and you want to live for him, your job is to live together with others for the sake of the gospel. You are to live for a cause much greater than yourself. You are to live for the name of Jesus to be heralded to your community. Of course, both the Philippians and us Roswellians, okay, we live in a world that has rebelled against God. Ever since the fall, 
Of course, we have lived in the shadow, in the wake of the fall, where many people have turned from God and chosen to go their own way. And God, in many ways, has given them up to their own sin. But those of us who God has redeemed, we ought to live differently. In fact, this book has told us how we ought to live as citizens of heaven worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you'll remember, Scott read it to us a few moments ago, but right at the outset of this particular series was a verse in Philippians 1.27 that basically told you to do this. Only let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I told you how that Really, as you translate it, it's the idea of live like a citizen of heaven worthy of the gospel. So that Paul says, whether I come and see you or whether I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm side by side for the, for the faith of the gospel. And then later in the book, in chapter 3, he reminds them of their position. He says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, many of you, you may be citizens of the United States of America, but you have a citizenship that is a whole lot more important than that earthly citizenship. And it's a whole lot more real to you. And it's your citizenship in heaven. And that means as you live here as citizens of earth, The priority of that heavenly citizenship ought to transcend everything you do. And so today what we're going to do is in the final verses of Philippians 4, we are going to see some of the themes that we have run into throughout this book played out in those final three verses. So let me read them to you. Philippians chapter 4, real simple. The title here is the final greetings. It says this, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Would you all join me as I ask for the Spirit's help today? Father, Lord, we need you today to allow us to focus our attention on your word rather than our simple priorities in life. Father, I ask today that you would direct my mind and every individual in this room today to hear from your text, your word, and Father, would you allow it to both reprove, correct, instruct, encourage, and help us to live our lives together for the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember when you were in English class and you were learning the basic elements of a letter? How when you wrote a letter, you needed to make sure you included oftentimes the address to another person. You included the greeting, dear such and such, the body of the letter, the closing, like... Yours sincerely, and then finally, your signature. Uh, We, as a church, have been looking at a Greco-Roman letter. 
a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote in that uh, early ancient time. And what you find is Paul, in many ways, followed the pattern of those Greco-Roman letters. He had a greeting, he had the body, he had a closing. And today we come to the closing. Although he fell in line with many of those letter templates, he often added certain new Christian elements that in many ways were kind of like alarms to people, not necessarily bad alarms, but like markers of like, this is something special. This is something distinct. This is something Christian. Today, what I want to do is I want to focus on some of those final words in his closing that basically remind us of some of the, you could say, mountaintops that we have seen as we have surveyed this letter. The themes of this book. Some of them, in fact, are going to have appeared already in the intro, and he's going to come and revisit them again. But I hope, as I just remind you of some of the themes, we're just going to look at Three simple words in this closing in order to highlight some of these themes. And hopefully encourage all of you, as you walk out whatever door you're going to walk out today, that you would want to live together for the gospel. The first word I want us to focus in on is the word greet. Greet. In fact, this word shows up three times in verses 21 and 22. And what I, I'll already let the cat out of the bag, what I believe that word greet does is it shouts to us and it leads us and reminds us of our need to be partners. Greet. It's a word that carries the idea of Affection. I want you to greet somebody. In, a, in just a few days, my daughter, my daughter is going to be spending the summer out in Utah helping with the plant camp ministry. She'll be out there eight weeks. And when she leaves, no doubt I'll tell her, hey, Anna, make sure you greet Will and Christy Gawkins, some of our missionaries. And what that means is this, I want you to send my affection to them, my love for them as we partner together for the sake of the gospel. What you find in these final three verses is, first of all, the first greet is from the Apostle Paul. And possibly what he does Often at the end of the letters, sometimes he's dictating them to uh, a secretary who's writing these things out, and sometimes he will pick up the pen, as you read in other epistles, I write this with my own hand, he says. He possibly picked up the, old, his, the pen at this point, or the quill, and he basically says what? He says, greet all or every one of these saints there at Philippi. We learned from the intro of the letter, if you go back to week number one in this series, we learned that the letter was written to all the saints in Philippi, but if you remember in that first verse, it also said, to the elders and the deacons. And what what you kind of leads to is this, this greet at the end possibly shows us that the letter was initially read by those elders and deacons, 
But they were to do something. They were supposed to share the contents of the letter with the church. And one of the things that he tells them to do here is this. Paul tells those leaders to greet every saint in that church. Did you catch that? Let me read it to you. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. He could have said this. He could have said, greet one another. Because sometimes he does say that in other letters. But evidently, it probably went initially to these elders, and he's telling these elders, I want you to greet every saint in Christ Jesus. He he wanted each of the members of that church to feel his own love. It's also interesting to note, when you compare how he ends this letter with how he ends other letters, is that... This letter is not filled with all these specific greetings to other people. You remember in the book of Romans, he says, okay, tell this person hello, and tell this person hello, and make sure you encourage this person with this particular thing. Here, he doesn't do any of that. Why? I believe it's purposeful. I think Paul felt such a closeness to this church and all the members of that church, he didn't want to just... Pick one or two people. It's almost like I was writing back. I, I love this church. Almost 10 years ago, I came here and I have built an affection and I love you. And let's say that I, had to, I was in prison somewhere and for the sake of the gospel, I'm writing back. I'd have a hard time pinpointing, hey, make sure you tell this person and this person because I just, I do, I love you. And I think Paul had an affection for this church, and he says, I want you to greet all of them in the Lord, all of them who are in Christ. Paul then shares, and what that does, before I go there, it shows all of their involvement in his life, in that partnership that they had with him. Paul then shares that the brothers who are with him, wherever he's at in prison, which I submit to you, I think he's in Rome. He says, the brothers who are with me greet you as well. And what that probably meant was possibly Timothy and Luke and another number of people who had been serving the Lord with Paul in a dangerous spot were also affectionate and thankful for the partnership of the Philippians. And so they are also, they're telling Paul, hey, while you're writing that, Paul, send our love and our greetings to this church. Additionally, did you catch the third one? Not only that, it says this, all the saints greet you. And what that is showing is this, that all the brothers who were in Rome, all the saints who were possibly there in that vicinity were also sending their greetings back to the Philippian church. And then he says, particularly those who are a part of Caesar's household. And if you remember back to one of the first few messages, what you found is as Paul was placed into prison in Rome, As a result of his testimony, the gospel was starting to spread within Caesar's household servants, no doubt within the Praetorium Guard, and all of a sudden, a lot of people were hearing the gospel who were associated with 
you could say all that was going on there in Rome. It's almost like this. Someone who knew the Christ heard the gospel in the White House. And the White House staff, the gospel was beginning to spread. And it was almost like a similarity would be, it's like, I also send greetings from a number of those within the, high, the White House staff who've come to Christ. That's what's happening here. So Paul sends greetings. The brothers who are right there in his vicinity are sending greetings to Philippi. And all the saints who are associated with the church that was located where Paul was at this time are also sending greetings. What did this mean? These greetings communicated a camaraderie and a partnership that Christians who were 800 miles away shared because they all had come to the gospel of Jesus. I love, and I hope you catch this, he tells them to greet every saint. Did you catch that? And then he also says, all the saints where I'm at send their greetings. Did you know that the gospel and the gospel work is not simply for the pastors or the deacons or the ministry leaders, but it's for every single believer in the church. We all ought to be involved in it. No doubt many of these people had never met, but notice the bond and connection that comes through the gospel. There is an uncommon affection that develops for people who've embraced Christ, who engage in the sake of the gospel. It was a number of weeks ago. Uh, I, I should have showed this to you then, but basically our, our team uh, came back on a Sunday. But we sent a group on a work trip out to Salt Lake City, Utah, to help them with a ministry house. And uh, they were coming back on a Sunday, and I think there was something the following Sunday, and I remember seeing this video, and we never got to show you, but let me show you really a video that communicates this type of partnership from another church that is thanking us for a work trip that we sent out. This is just a few months ago. Let's show it right now. All right. Hello, Lebanon Baptist Church. Hey, Lebanon team. Hey, Lebanon Baptist Church. This is the Mulder Community Group. Hey, Lebanon Baptist Church. Hi. Hey, Lebanon Baptist Church. Hey, LBC Work Team. Lebanon Baptist Church. Hey, Lebanon Baptist Church. Hey, Lebanon. Thanks for all your work this week um, ministering to us and helping us be on mission here in Salt Lake City. We're thankful for you guys. Uh, I know a lot of y'all, and I'm excited you guys are coming out to help. So thanks for, um, yeah, helping with our new ministry house. Uh, thanks for the sacrifice. Thanks for your commitment of time. Thanks for the travel. Thanks for all the hard work. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yes. We are the Bountiful Community Group. This is the community group here. This is our community group um, over here at Laura and Audrey's house, right close to Liberty Park. People are waving. You don't know them. It's okay. There they are. Um, but yeah, we're just super excited that you guys are um, spending time and your money and resources to help us out to see ministry further in Salt Lake. 
So this is just one example of that and how things are going here in Utah. Thanks for coming out to Utah to serve alongside. We're going to be praying for you all um, personally in our community group for um, this next week. We're very thankful that you all are pairing up with um, our church um, to help in the construction of the ministry home. So thank you so much. We appreciate you coming all this way to help us with the ministry home. And we're excited to see how God uses it. Uh, we really appreciate all of the blessings you guys have uh, done by doing this for us. Thanks for coming out to help us with the ministry home. To help us with the uh, renovation of the ministry home to further God's kingdom and the advance the uh, gospel here. We all want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. to say thank you from the Sugar House Community Group. That's a greeting, isn't it? When they say hello, it's greetings. Are they sending affection? Yeah. We sent affection to them, and you know what? It was a partnership of the gospel in that. And how do they end? Thank you for your what? Your partnership in the gospel. You know, all through this letter, we have seen this call to involve yourself and engage yourself in the sake of the gospel. And that church, Philippi, they had begun that partnership from the very first day, and then they renewed it to the Apostle Paul. And all of these greetings... All of the hellos, okay, were like this. Thank you. Thank you. And they confirmed it. Are you someone who is a partner in the gospel? Who do you feel camaraderie with? Who do you feel that type of affection for? Who do you send greetings to? Okay, when you send hellos, I mean, right now, no doubt you're probably in the midst of your life, you're sending greetings to different people, maybe through social media or through phone calls or whatever. But when it comes to, when you just think of all the greetings that you do, is it simply to non-believers or are you establishing deep connections with believers for the sake of the gospel? When this was happening, there was no social media, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there were not those easy ways to communicate. But are you someone who's engaged in such a way in the gospel that there are affectionate greetings that you give to other people? You know what, I hope that there are affectionate greetings that you get from one another when you arrive here at church because of your labor in the gospel. Notice the interactions between this congregation and the church at Rome. Is it possible that you don't have connections and you don't have these areas of affection with other people because you're just doing your own thing? We live in a world and we live in a community when it's so easy for us just to live our lives as kind of a little castle. 
We pull into our driveway, we shut the garage door, we do our own thing. But are you really living, expending yourself for the sake of the gospel? We only got a short time here. Life is short. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. How can you tell what you're investing your life in? You know, one, one re- revelation of that is your check registry, or you could say your online account. Where do you spend your money? If all the money you spend is on you, Kroger, your car, your mortgage payment, your golf game, your makeup, you're this, you're that. And if you just look at your whole online registry, if everything is about you and there's no partnership in the gospel, the Bible says where you put your treasure, that's where your what is, where your heart is. That's one revealer. Where do you spend your time? I hope it's in God's people and in the church. You know, the Bible says that we are to do good. In Galatians 6.10, it says this, we are to do good. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. How are you getting involved in the partnership of the gospel? You'd say, Pastor Brian, I feel like I'm not doing a whole lot. Where, Where do I start? We'll start with this. You go to God in prayer and say, God, I know you saved me to be involved in the gospel, but I just don't know where to start. And so I'm just asking that you over the next number of days would begin to show me how I can be a better partner in the gospel and engage in God's people and in the gospel. Would you just show me those things? And if you begin to ask God to do things, call unto him and he will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which gives to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Could you not ask God, would you help me to find out new ways to be a partner in the sake of the gospel and look for ways to serve others? Maybe some of you could join me this October. Uh, One of our partner areas is Utah, as you just saw. I lead a vision trip every October out to Utah where we see what the gospel is doing in those locations, and you can build some affection. You don't even have to go to Utah to do that. What you could do is this. You could walk down the center hallway of our church and you can look at all of our missionaries who are serving in various locations. And really, you could just do a little spin and wherever you're pointing, okay, pick that person. And if you'll just send them a pack of gum a month, they'll remember you. Or if you'll just write them a note and you begin to give of yourself for the sake of the gospel. Let me just say as well, all of you, the young professionals that I was talking about, the college students, if you're here today, I hope that you will think of ways that you can invest in the church of Jesus Christ. Rather than just your career and rather than just all the things that you're trying to get accomplished at this point in your life, you need to find other Christians And even though they may be different from you, maybe you're not really close friends, but if you'll just say, you know what, because they have the most 
the biggest union with me, and that's Jesus. I'm going to get to know them, and I'm going to start investing in them and start loving them. That's what Christians do. They find Christians, and they start investing in them, and they work together to reach other people to become like Christ. That you would do that. Find ways to do that. Partner in this summer of service. Ask Josh, Pastor Josh, as he begins to lay out this idea of Impact Atlanta and how we as a church can help plant other churches in various parts of this city. How can you be a part of that? Talk to him about it. Start a ministry. Some of you would say, Pastor Brian, we don't have any ministry to this. You know what I'm going to say to you? You're right. You think you could do something there? If, if some of you are burdened, why doesn't the church do this? Why doesn't the church do this? It's probably because you haven't volunteered yet. Okay. And you're not ready to jump in and to be a part. You'd say, I don't know what to do with all of that. Then you know what? Let me help you. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. A lot of the ministries that we don't have is because we need you to do them. Get engaged in the ministry. So the word greet, what it shouts to me is a partnership and involvement and affection in the ministry. So that's what I catch here at the, at the end of this letter. Here's the second word I want to focus in on, and it's the word saints. And what saints, that word points and shouts to me is this idea of the gospel. You say how? Well, the word saint shows up two times. Shows up in verse 21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. And then it says in verse 22, all the saints greet you. What this refers to, it refers to all the believers that were at Philippi. And it refers to possibly all the believers that were at Rome. Literally, the term saint means holy one. Historically... It has been used technically for what some would call kind of super Christians, the saints, like St. Benedict or St. Patrick or St. Nick, okay? And what that has done is it's caused what? Confusion. Because we think to be a saint, you've got to be this extra holier-than-thou person. In our day and age, the modern use of this term is for people who would, we could say are more or holier than us. Oh, you're a saint. You're the uh, holier than uh, us in all these different areas. The Bible, however, uses this term saint for what? For everyday Christians, everyday believers, all believers. Sinners who have been polluted by sin, but now have become holy. Why? It's not because of anything of themselves, but it's through a righteousness that has been transacted to them. A righteousness that has been credited to their account because they turned to Jesus. Let me illustrate it this way. Imagine the word affluent. What does affluent mean? The word affluent mean, uh, means it's a, someone who is rich, a rich one. Okay, so if you're affluent, you're a rich one, you may have gotten your affluence through various means. Some people get their affluence or wealth through working for it. Like years ago, Sam Walton, he started Walmart and he amassed his wealth 
by just working hard. I remember I lived in Greenville, South Carolina. There was a, one, of the, one of the early Sam's clubs there. And my parents remember seeing Sam Walton pull in in a pickup truck into that particular Sam's club and saw Sam Walton there. He became affluent because he worked for it. Of course, we know that his, you can also get wealth through inheriting it, like his kids. Many of you know many of his kids are some of the wealthiest people, and they, they receive that from their, their father, and some of them are also trying to work for it and, and, and expend it. Some people get their wealth through the lottery. It was a number of months ago that one person in South Carolina won $877 million. They received it by luck, okay? That's an affluent, a rich one. A saint, a holy one, you get your righteousness, your holiness, different ways. You could, uh, some people, I mean, you could try to work your way to being holy, and try to live a holy life and kind of earn it. But let me tell you, that's going to get you no, nowhere. You can't inherit holiness from your parents. Because they don't have holiness on their own. And the holiness, if they do have it credited to their account, it's because they received it from another source. And, and you have to go to that same source. Holiness is not achieved by luck. But it is achieved by grace. You have to receive holiness, spiritual wealth from only one source. You have to receive it through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And as Paul writes to the saints at Philippi, and he refers to the saints at Rome, he's shouting out something that had happened, the gospel. How did sinners become holy ones? And he tells you because they are in Jesus Christ. They didn't get their holiness by self-earning it. They received the righteousness of God by faith. The only place you can get the righteousness that'll get you to heaven is through the person of Jesus Christ. Just like today, let's say you designed your own currency. And you went to the printer and you printed out your own currency. Maybe it had your face on it. In you, you trust or whatever. And you headed over to Chipotle today and you pulled out your own currency. Are they going to accept your currency there? No, they aren't. Yeah, you may look really good. You may even look like Alexander Hamilton, okay? But they're not going to take it. And in the same way, your righteousness, 
If you try to show up at heaven with your own righteousness and all of your good deeds, you will get nowhere. There is only one righteousness that counts, and it's Christ's righteousness. He was perfectly righteous, lived flawlessly, died a substitutionary death, and for you to be able to become a holy one, to enter into heaven, you've got to become a saint. And the only place, way you can become a saint is you have to place your faith wholly in the work of Jesus Christ. You have to believe who he said he was, and you have to receive him. And the Bible says, for as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. And when you do that, you move from being at one moment a sinner to the next moment becoming a saint, positionally. That's how you will achieve heaven. You turn to Jesus for it. In fact, in the book of Acts, the first convert at Philippi, the letter that we're, we're studying, the first convert to ever come to Christ was a businesswoman who was named Lydia. She was a businesswoman that dealt with purple cloth and dye. And she was a God-fearer, which means she knew about God. She was probably a very religious person. And you may be here today, and you may be a religious person, and you may like the idea of God, but if you are going to get to know God, the way he has revealed himself is this. No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, talking about Jesus, he has made him known. And you have to go to Jesus. And when you go to Jesus and he opens your heart, you can be converted. And that's what happened to Lydia. In fact, listen to what it says in Acts chapter 16. It says this, one who heard us, this is Paul speaking, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. She was a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. But what had to happen? The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And no doubt, what does Paul always say? He tells them about who? Jesus. And what happened? And after she was baptized, which means she accepted Christ, she wanted to be baptized, and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be, a faith, uh, to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed Upon him. She had placed her faith in Jesus. She had showed it through her act. She was credited with, with, with righteousness. And she was a saint. And so, no doubt, when Paul's writing this letter and says, Greet every saint, if, Thyra, if, if, if this woman, Lydia, had not gone back to Thyatira, if she was still there in Philippi, he's saying, Make sure you greet Lydia too. She's one of those saints who became holy. Why? She placed her faith in Christ. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul had said in chapter 3. The Apostle Paul had lots of righteous acts that he could have credited himself with. He says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, I was blameless. But he says, but all of my righteousnesses, I counted as rubbish in comparison to the righteousness that I receive by faith. And then he says that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. A righteousness that is from God, that is by faith. And here at the end of this letter, when Paul says, saints, what that shouts to me is this. Here are people who had come to Christ and they had become holy. Holy. 
So have you truly embraced the gospel? You may be a God-fearer, but has God indeed opened your heart to believe in Jesus Christ? If you have done that, you are a saint. You may not feel like one, but you are one. And what you're supposed to do now is you are to live according to who you are now. You are to be progressively becoming holy. You say, how do I do that? Well, Paul, all through this letter, has been telling you how to do that. You've got to begin to adopt the mindset that was modeled in Jesus Christ. And that Paul said, Timothy and Epaphroditus and me, we've shown you our example. So if you're wondering how to live for the gospel, just look at us and see how we're living. And start showing through your own life what it means to be a partner in the gospel. And and you remember what Paul said? He says, forget those things which are behind. And reach forward unto those things which are before. And I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So if you're here today and you're not a saint yet, believe in Jesus Christ. And if you are a saint, if you have been credited with Christ's righteousness, then you are to ask God to help you to now progressively allow your own life to begin to reflect the reality that you are holy in Christ. And you do that, if you're wondering, how do I do that practically? Just look at other Christians in this room and get to know them and follow their pattern. Just like Paul says, follow my pattern. Now, some of you would say, but Pastor Brian, that's hard. That's hard to be a partner in the gospel. We've looked at two words. We've looked at greet, and we've looked at saint. And my last word that I'd like to focus in on is really, how in the world do I do this? How do I live together in partnership in the gospel? And the last word I'd like to focus in on is that word grace. You'd say, what is grace? Paul ends with this. He says in verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What is grace? Grace is that undeserved, supernatural kindness and power that comes to you from God. It's what was needed for your initial justification. For you to get saved and have all your sins forgiven, you needed God's grace to come down and undeserving to you, you needed him to open your eyes to believe the gospel. You needed grace initially, but you know what you also need? You need grace continually. You need it every day of your life. You need undeserved, supernatural power and kindness on your behalf to live out your spiritual life. Because notice, you can't do this on your own. You can't live the Christian life just trying to do it on your own. Just like you couldn't become a Christian on your own, you can't live it on your own. And for this reason, Paul closes this letter with a benediction. He calls for God's grace to be with their spirits. Now, don't read too much into spirits. He says, 
He says, the grace of God be with your spirit. What he's basically talking about, let him be your spirits, your inner man. And the idea is, let him be with you. Let the grace of God fill your entire man and help you as you seek to live in partnership with the gospel. To live this way in this world, you need grace. And the question is, where do I get grace, Pastor Brian? Well, remember what John 1.16 said about Jesus? For from his fullness, Jesus, we have all received grace upon what? Grace. God wants to give you the supernatural enablement to live as a partner with the gospel. You can't do this on your own. You need God's help. And it's, I love this. I, I remember the first time I saw this, it was pointed out by John Piper in one of his books. But it's really interesting how Paul opens up with grace in the letter. He does this in almost all his letters. He opens up and he starts writing by saying this, grace to you. And, and what he's saying basically is this, I'm about to write you a letter, and as you read this letter, I'm praying that God would give you supernatural kindness and power to understand what this letter says, and that you would seek to do it. And then as he closes the letter, instead of saying grace to you, he always ends his letter with grace what? With you. So as you finish my letter... And as you think about the prospect of having to go out and do this in your everyday life, what you ought to do is say, I can't do this, God. I can't live as a partner for the gospel. I can't live by having just progressive holiness to show the faith. It's going to be hard, Pastor Brian. And they're probably saying it's going to be hard, the Apostle Paul. And that's why Paul says, may God's grace be with you. May it enable you, may it be in your inner man to help you to do everything that I've called you to do in this book. Say, Pastor Brian, how do I get this grace? God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to what? The humble. And you may have read this book, the book of Philippians, and say, how do I live this out? You got everything you need when you got Jesus. In him was all the fullness. He said, God, help me to adopt the mindset of Christ. Help me to turn from my own righteousness. Help me to pursue Jesus. Help me to adopt the mindset of Jesus. Help me to live this way. And here, Paul says, may the grace of God be with you and with your spirit all the way through. So Lebanon Baptist Church, we are to live together for the gospel. God gave his grace to you, and he will continue to give it in the days ahead. You and I are to be partners in the gospel, adopting the mindset of Christ as seen in Jesus. We're to pursue him, rejoice in him, and we are to do this with his grace fueling us. So don't let these words fall from you, okay? As we finish this book today, no doubt. I mean, as I think of the, the effort that I've given in these last 24 weeks to just explain this book, I know you've had to receive this through a fallen vessel, a clay pot. But I'll tell you, you can go back to this book whenever you want. 
And you can remind yourselves of the nuggets and the truths, and you can pray and say, God, help me to live this out. And let me tell you, I don't care where you're at, when you're at, he will give you grace to help you to do it. So grab his hand, grab the hand of other people in this congregation that you can follow, and Lebanon Baptist Church, let's live together for the gospel until Jesus comes back. And don't stop. Don't stop. This is what we've been called to do. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.